was praying, there's lots to process these days as we reflect on the year that's uh, coming to an end. This is the final Sunday of 2020, and uh, maybe you're in that sort of reflective space looking back over the year and thinking about all that's happened, and obviously COVID has been a huge part of it, and as I've been sort of reflecting, I've been trying to look for some fun in the midst of it and came across a video that I'd like to share with you. Um, Family, the Holderness family, they're like a YouTube, you know, sensation uh, came out with Christmas jammies a few years ago. They put out these parody songs all the time. So they came up with one that I think kind of sums up uh, 2020 pretty well. So let's, uh, let's tune into that. Hey moms and dads and boys and girls, today's question, what would Disney songs sound like if they were written during this quarantine? Well, uh, mask, wear a mask, you can craft one really fast, tie a scarf around your neck, that's what the CDC is asked. Get some cloth, rubber bands, or sew on your own by hand, it will help you be protected so that you won't get infected. So when you're at the store, there's a woman on aisle four who starts coughing on the broccoli florets. Go on and keep your distance and in this key instance wear a mask. We oui, a mask, wear a mask. At Aladdin time, I can't show you the world, but I can show you this bathroom and the kitchen, the guest room and the den. But yeah, that's all. I'm gonna go hang with my pros. Watch a game, play some hoops, meet them up for a cold beer. I'm gonna go hang with my bros. Uh, oops. Can you feel the gloves tonight? I gotta curse. I'd pick up soon, yeah, and I'm scared to touch all of the bags they're handling, it'll be that way till June. Now here comes my favorite, this one's really clever, it's Rapunzel time. 7 a.m. the usual morning lineup. Start on the chores and sweep till the floor's all clean. Polish and wax, do laundry and mop and shine up. Then sweep again and by then it's like 7.15. And so I'll read a book or maybe two or three. Wait, this sounds familiar. Add a few new paintings to my gallery. I'll play guitar and knit and cook and basic. Wait a minute. We didn't write this as a parody. These are the actual words. When will my life begin? 
Then after lunch, it's puzzles and darts and baking. Seriously, will you do all this? Paper mache, a little ballet, and chess. I've been playing chess with myself. Pottery and ventriloquy, candle making. Haven't done candle making yet. Then I'll stretch, maybe sketch, take a climb. So I dress and I'll reread the books if I have time to spare. I'm sure there's room somewhere And then I'll brush and brush And brush and brush my hair Stuck in the same place I've always been And I'll keep wandering And wandering And wandering And wondering When will my life begin? Woo! Oh my gosh! Yeah! Are you feeling it, Lola? Yeah, I think that... Oh, How's the wig look? It looks, it looks beautiful. Okay. You got a breath. Thanks for watching. <laughs> we had some issues. <laughs> One take. <laughs> One take. <laughs> hey, moms and dads. Yeah, it's pretty fun, eh? So now you'll be singing Disney songs, and uh, it, you know it's inspired me to watch the movie Tangled again because apparently Rapunzel can relate to what we're going through with lockdown these days. You know, as she's saying, "When will my life begin?" Uh, the sad part of that uh, video is it was produced back in April, and uh, here we still are. Much of that still relates today, right? So, uh, so I thought I'd kind of just keep going on this sort of lockdown theme since. We here in Alberta are in sort of a second stage, second wave of lockdown. And across the country, uh, many different regions are in, you know, facing uh, difficult restrictions and stuff. So I came up with a little COVID lockdown survival kit. And uh, if you're on the Facebook uh, feed this morning, maybe you'd want to put a comment in there about, you know, what would you want in your COVID survival kit? Um, if you, you know, could put one together to, to survive lockdown. So a lockdown survival kit, what would, what would go in there? So obviously, I've got the hand sanitizer, and uh, if uh, better than that would be your soap. This is Thieves soap, which is supposed to be really good, you know, taking away the germs. Um, in my uh, lockdown survival kit, I've got multivitamins, because you want to try to stay healthy. Uh, I've got my mask. Um, some really important stuff in our house would be lockdown snacks. So I've got uh, some chips there, and uh, my go-to would be chocolate. So I've got a, a Toblerone for my lockdown survival kit. Toilet paper, of course, you got to have that, right? Get out and get your toilet paper. Um, got my iPad for all the online schooling and Zoom conference calls and stuff like that. Um, got a bag pound of coffee here, because probably go through that during lockdown. Uh, my kids really think it's important to have fuzzy slippers or fuzzy socks for lockdown, and uh, online learning apparently is better with fuzzy slippers. Um, some of you might be pulling out the cookbooks, you know, for making your sourdough bread or whipped uh, coffees. Uh, that was back in early lockdown. I don't know what the, the second wave of lockdown creations is going to be, but maybe you need, need that. Um, I think that's all I've got in my lockdown survival kit. And uh, I don't know, would you guys add anything to your lockdown survival kit? What would you put in there? Anything? A remote control for, yeah, Netflix and TV, Hallmark movies apparently at the Lee house, right? So, smartphones, I forgot about that. You got to have your smartphone for skip the dishes and uh, social media and stuff. Crossword and the newspaper, good stuff. All right, so that's the, the lockdown survival kit. 
One last thing I'm going to pull out of here, which I think we could probably all use in our lockdown survival kit, would be joy. And uh, we are going to actually be talking about joy for the next little bit as we uh, kind of shift gears in our, our sermon series. Um, we're talking about joy unlocked, and we're going to be in the book of Philippians. And as you think about lockdown, joy is maybe not a word that you would associate with lockdown. You know, maybe you would uh, associate more with a word like um, uh, isolation, loneliness, uh, maybe frustration or anger, uh, maybe anxiety, maybe impatience, right? When is this lockdown going to be over? Joy is probably not on the list of feeling words that you're likely to use to describe Uh, the lockdown kind of uh, reality. And I think it's important for us to consider that. Joy actually might be possible in lockdown. And so we're looking at uh, Philippians, and we're talking about joy unlocked, and specifically the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Philippians was in prison. He was literally in lockdown. And in the book of Philippians, he'll talk a lot about joy. Uh, The word shows up, I think, 12 times, either joy or rejoice, 12 times in four chapters in the book of Philippians. So how could a guy in prison experience joy and encourage a group of believers to be joyful in the midst of adversity? And so that's where we're going to go today and for the next uh, few weeks. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to start uh, at the very beginning, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Uh, I've got the scripture on the screen, and there's not much, uh, actually, there's no more notes that are going to be on the screen after that. So I would encourage you, maybe hold this passage open. We'll refer to it uh, throughout uh, the message this morning. Uh, And if you are taking notes, I'll try to help maybe prompt you with a few things that you might want to write down. Uh, But let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's just pause there. Let me pray and invite Jesus to speak to us from his word. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active, that you speak through it, through your Holy Spirit. You awaken and uh, activate and uh, um, 
and illuminate your word to us. And so we invite you to do those things today as we spend time here in this passage. Uh, Would you open our ears to hear what you have to say to us? Would you open our hearts to receive from you? Would you soften our will so that we would be responsive to your word this morning as we let it soak in and uh, change and transform us into the people of God that you desire us to be? So speak, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Philippians uh, chapter 1, let me just start in the first couple verses just to give a bit of context. So it is a letter. It's written from the Apostle Paul to a group of believers in uh, a city called Philippi. And so Paul introduces himself. Paul and Timothy, sort of in parentheses, Timothy might have been helping to write the letter as Paul was maybe verbalizing it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And I mentioned earlier that Paul was in prison. If you read through the book of Philippians in one sitting, you'll see sort of evidence of what Paul was going through. And there's some debate as to where he was in prison because it's not given specifically here. But there is uh, evidence that Paul was literally in lockdown. In chapter 1, verse 13, he makes reference to being in chains for Christ. And then later on in chapter 1, around verse 20, uh, he talks about life and death and this potential that maybe he's awaiting an outcome, a decision on his imprisonment that might end in death. That could have been, you know, a, a real possibility. And so Paul is very much in lockdown. You know, I kind of made light of the sort of lockdown we're in and different, we've all experienced COVID in different realities. Some have been personally impacted, some maybe from a distance, some maybe are wondering, you know, what this is all about. And so our lockdown is very different than the kind of lockdown that Paul was in. But he was very uh, literally in jail, in prison. And it would have been a, a a challenging space for him to be uh, on a very, you know, surface level because he would have loved to have been out there preaching the good news of Jesus to the world around him. He didn't want to be confined to a, a prison cell. This wouldn't have been a fun experience for him regardless of how um, difficult the, the, the circumstances were. So Paul and Timothy are in prison. They're writing this letter. And just imagine maybe what Paul would have been feeling. Uh, Frustrated. I'd like to be out there doing what God's called me to do. Uh, He might have been feeling somewhat isolated, you know, away from all the people that he loves and cares for and the churches that he had planted and started. Uh, He might have been feeling impatient. I just want a decision to be made about my current, you know, imprisonment. When's it going to end? Or what's it going to end with? Um, There might have been some anxiety. Is it life or death? Uh, Those would be some of the emotions Paul was feeling. And so um, as he continues to write this letter and talk about joy, again, it's this, this contrast, something that we just really wouldn't expect. If we were in Paul's situation, would we be able to talk about having joy in the midst of that? And so on some levels, I think we can maybe relate to Paul and his lockdown that he's in we might be able to sense a bit of that in the lockdown we find ourselves in. 
Paul goes on, uh, him and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And if you were to read Acts chapter 16, we don't have time to read that this morning. But in Acts, Acts 16, it talks about how the church in Philippi was born. How Paul went to Philippi, preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus. People began responding and getting baptized. And a church was born in Acts chapter 16, this church in Philippi. And now Paul is writing to them. So let's keep reading. Uh, verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And there's the first time we see the word joy. I, I mentioned earlier, another 11 times joy or rejoice will be talked about in Philippians. So joy is a, an important word, and, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the weeks to come. But it kind of begs the question to me, how is, you know, why is Paul praying with joy? How is he able to experience joy in the midst of the current reality that he's in, in prison? Where is this joy coming from? And so we read on, verse 4, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that word partnership is the word we're really going to focus on this morning. And it's also a theme through Philippians that will probably pop up again. But this idea that Paul was in partnership with the Philippians. They had uh, a degree of relationship together that caused him joy. And if you think about that word partnership, another way to maybe um, explain it or help us understand it would be the word participate or participation. A partner is somebody who participates together with another. If you think of a, a business partner, if you, you know, wanted to start a business and went to a friend or a, somebody you knew, an acquaintance, and said, hey, let's, let's partner together in this business, you're probably going to participate in a few different ways. You'll probably bring some income into the business to start it up. You might share that 50-50. You participate together in the startup cost of the business. You'll probably participate together in the work of the business, you know, giving time and energy and resources towards it. You'll probably participate together in making decisions about the business. So partnership and participate is kind of a, a similar understanding of, of that word. Or if you like to work out, you like to stay healthy and go to the gym. Unfortunately, we can't go to the gym right now, but maybe you have a workout partner. And uh, a workout partner would be a participant with you at the gym. You, you spot for each other, you encourage each other, you meet each other together at the gym, you share that time together. It's, you know, participating together, partnership. And that's kind of the idea that Paul is talking about with the Philippians. He's praying with joy because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we're going to sort of look at this idea of partnership and how joy in this passage is unlocked through partnerships with other believers. Paul's joy was unlocked through his partnership with the Philippian church. So we're going to look at this idea of partnership and two sort of ways we'll look at that. So if you are taking notes, here's something you might want to, talk, might want to write down as we talk about um, partnership. Um, Paul and the Philippians, they were in partnership in God's work in the world. They were in partnership in God's work in the world. So verse 5, which I just read, 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's probably literally referring to um, partnership as financial support. Throughout the book of uh, Philippians, actually later on in chapter 4, we see that the Philippians actually gave financially towards the work of God in the world through the Apostle Paul. So in chapter 4, verse 15, Paul is writing, he says, uh, As you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So the Philippians were in the habit of giving financial support, financial aid to Paul and the work that God was doing through Paul to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus. They were in partnership together, giving and receiving. In that instance, financially, but we also see that the Philippians gave through prayer. In chapter 1, uh, verse 19, Paul makes reference to their prayers for him. The Philippians were praying for him and the, the ministry that he was a part of, of sharing the good news of Jesus to the world around them. They also gave, uh, another example would be through hospitality. Lydia is a woman who's mentioned in Acts chapter 16, part of that early church in Philippi. Lydia was a successful businesswoman. It says that she was a dealer in purple cloth, which I guess at that time was like a really big deal because she apparently made some money dealing in purple cloth. And so she uh, heard Paul preach the good news of Jesus and she received Jesus into her life. Her family was baptized and after that it says she opened up her home to Paul and his companions and to the other believers and that's likely where the church first started meeting was in Lydia's house. So she was a participant in the work of God in her world by offering hospitality, offering her space, offering her home as a place of meeting for the church. The partnership was about giving and receiving. It was also about going and doing. Uh, Paul went out and preached the good news to the, the nations around them. Um, but in the Philippian church, we see that some of them actually went with Paul. They, they went out on those journeys with him. In chapter 4, verse 3, he talks about uh, these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, these women from Philippi. Epaphroditus, who went to take the gifts to Paul, he was sent out, he went. He, um, and so this partnership was not just about giving towards the work of God in the world, but it was also about going and doing and being a part of the work of God in the world through serving, through, uh, through journeying with Paul, through encouraging and taking gifts, through preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So Paul is full of joy because of this partnership that he had with the Philippians in God's work in the world. A second aspect to that partnership, so again, if you're taking notes, you might want to make this note, there was a partnership in God's work in each other's lives. So they were not just partners in God's work in the world, but they were partners in God's work in each other's lives. If we read on here in Philippians 1, verse 6, Paul says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion 
until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul uh, started the church in Philippi. I mentioned that earlier, Acts chapter 16. He saw people come to faith in Christ. When he preached the good news of Jesus, he saw people respond and receive Jesus and be baptized and begin this new life in Christ. And so he's confident that God began a good work and he's seeing evidence that God's continuing to do a good work in them. And he's sharing, he's participating with them in the work that God's doing in their life. If we read on, verse 7, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, to feel joyful, to feel thankful. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. We see this partnership in God's work in their lives, this participating together, showing up on an emotional level. Paul talks about having them in his heart. He talks about having the affection of Christ for them. He loved the Philippian church. He loved these believers. He loved the individuals who made up that church. And they loved him. They were committed to him. In verse 7, he said, Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And I think one of the things that likely encouraged Paul's heart, one of the things that probably brought joy to him, was knowing that the Philippians were not going to give up on him. So even when he was in jail, which probably wouldn't look like very successful ministry, Right? Successful ministry would be preaching the good news of Jesus and people responding and, you know, churches being planted and started. That was part of Paul's ministry, but there was also this reality that Paul was also, he spent some time in jail. And the Philippians didn't give up on him, whether he was in the highest heights of sort of ministry success or in the lowest lows, they were always there. They were committed to him. They loved him no matter what. They supported him no matter what. They didn't give up on him. And that's probably another source of that joy that Paul had was he knew the Philippians were in his corner no matter what he was going through, good or bad, successful or unsuccessful. They were there. They were committed. He says there in uh, the end of verse 7 that they shared in God's grace with him, right? This idea that God was at work in Paul's life, God was at work in the lives of the Philippians. They were sharing in this grace of God that they had together. God was at work in their lives and they, they wanted to share it with each other. And then a final part of this partnership in God's work in each other's lives that we see in this passage is that they prayed for one another. I mentioned earlier that the Philippians prayed for Paul Paul also prayed for the Philippians. Verse 9, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul is praying for a deeper work of Christ in their lives and specifically, he's praying for more and more love 
that their love would abound more and more for one another, that their love would abound in knowledge and depth of insight. And this is another thread through Philippians that we'll see this idea of loving one another well, of being united and staying together as a, a church body. And so Paul's sort of praying into these realities that the Philippians would grow in their, their journey with Jesus, that they would grow in their love for one another. And so they were partners, they were participants together in God's work in each other's lives. Joy is unlocked in this passage through the partnership Paul had with the Philippians. Partnership in God's work in the world, partnership in God's work in each other's lives. And I want to bring sort of the reality of Philippians into 2020. You know, what does it look like for us in lockdown if we want to put joy in our survival kit what does this mean for us? So I'm going to ask a couple questions to kind of prompt our thinking, but let me just start with a statement. I think one of the things that we can glean from this passage is that our journey with Jesus is not meant to be lived alone. Our journey with Jesus is not meant to be lived alone. Even in the midst of lockdown, where we might have to physically distance ourselves, Paul was physically distanced from the Philippian believers, but he was not alone. They maintained relationship. They maintained partnership. And our journey with Jesus here in 2020 is not meant to be lived alone. Even in the midst of lockdown, we are to initiate and maintain relationship with one another. We are to have Jesus-centered relationships, Jesus-centered partnerships, Jesus-centered participation in one another's lives. So that kind of begs the question, well, what does that look like in the midst of, of this, in the midst of lockdown? So if our journey with Jesus is not meant to be lived alone, how do we pursue these kinds of relationships, these, these partnerships? And so before we get to the how-to, let me just kind of ask a few questions to, to prompt your thinking. Just take a moment and consider, who are the people that I am partnered with in life? Who are the people I'm partnered with in life? And if nobody comes to mind, that would be sort of initial reaction. Okay, we need to step into this. And if some people come to mind, then begin to think, those people that I'm partnering with in life, are those Jesus-centered partnerships? Are those Jesus-centered relationships? And not all relationships in our life are going to fit into that category, but I think the idea from Scripture here is that we need at least some of those kinds of relationships. So who are the partners? Are they Jesus-centered partnerships? Who are the people that I'm participating together in God's work in this world and God's work in one another's lives? And the fact that you're here with us this morning or tuning in online would say, you know, you are a part of a partnership. We are a family here of Okotoks Alliance Church. We are partners together. And so there are people that we can partner with. I guess the question is, are you partnering with us? Are we partnering together? Are we, are we growing in these Jesus-centered relationships? Who are you sharing the journey with? Many of you are in life groups, and I've been really pleased to see that through the course of lockdown, you know, many of our life groups have continued in some way, shape, or form. They don't all look like what they looked like a year ago, 
but there's relationships happening. Or I've been talking about micro life groups, you know, starting up groups with smaller, more, you know, you can be a little more adaptable with three or four or five people uh, when we face restrictions and stuff. And so there are opportunities to be involved. And if you're, if you're sort of sitting there thinking, I don't know if I have anyone in my life that I'm really partnered with in this way, maybe being a part of a group, joining a group might be a, a next step and you can talk to me more about that. But I want to talk about if this idea of pursuing these kinds of relationships is important, which I believe it is, how do we do that in the midst of our current reality? And so I just want to share three, three quick thoughts about this. How do we develop or maintain partnerships during this season of lockdown? And I want us to look at how Paul did it because he was in lockdown. He was able to do it. So what can we learn from him? So the first thing I would suggest is that we need to pay attention to Jesus leading. And I didn't go and read Acts chapter 16, but I would encourage you to read it at some point, maybe today or later this week. But in Acts 16, it tells the story of how Paul followed Jesus' lead to the Philippians. They were on a missionary journey. They were trying to go to a certain region, and they were at a a bit of a crossroads where they were being stopped from going where they wanted to go. And it says that that at night that Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia waving, come, come to Macedonia. And this, in this vision, if in your Bible, maybe the, the caption is the man of Macedonia is maybe what he's known as. But in this vision, Paul kind of came away from that and realized, I think Jesus is calling us to go to Macedonia. That wasn't on their agenda. It wasn't on their map of where they wanted to go next. And so the next day, it says they got into some boats because they had to cross a body of water to get there. And they went to Macedonia and entered, eventually got to Philippi. And it's in Philippi where this church was born. If Paul had never paid attention to the vision, if he had never been paying attention to Jesus leading in his life, he would have missed the boat on Philippi and this letter would have never been written. This, this church might never have been born. So I think from Paul's example, one thing we can do as we're sort of thinking about this idea of partnering with people, pay attention to Jesus leading and maybe even ask him, who are the people you're calling me to partner with? When I was in Bible college one summer, prior to going to my, my last year of school, of college, uh, I was involved in a, um, a student leadership role at the school, and so I was, part of my summer was kind of praying through that and preparing for what I had to do at uh, college that year. And as I was, every time I would think about going back to school, there was this guy, this face would, you know, sort of pop into my, my head and this name. And it just kept showing up throughout the summer. And this was a guy that I knew, sort of, but we weren't friends by any means. And as the summer went on, I just felt convinced that Jesus was leading me to this guy and that we were supposed to begin this kind of a, a partnering kind of relationship. And so when I got to school, it was kind of like the awkward first date. I went up to him and was like, I think Jesus is, you know, speaking to me about us being friends. You know, it was kind of an awkward conversation to have. But he was like, yeah, I, you know what, I think, I think that sounds right. And we agreed to meet every week and just kind of share life together and pray for each other and talk about the things that God was doing in our lives and pray for wisdom about uh, decisions that we were making and things that we were a part of. And it became one of these Jesus-centered relationships. And it would have never happened if I wasn't listening, wasn't paying attention. And I believe Jesus can speak to any one of us in that way. And as you're processing the passage this morning and this idea of who are the people that I'm partnering with, if, you're, if you feel like you're lacking in any way, shape, or form, 
Start by talking to Jesus. Who are some people, or who is a person, Jesus, that you're leading me to initiate a relationship or maybe go deeper in a relationship with one of these Jesus-centered kinds of relationships. So pay attention to Jesus leading. You might not have a vision of a man waving his arm, but I believe Jesus will speak. Second thing in this, uh, as we pursue these kinds of relationships, would be be creative. Paul was in prison, and he was limited. He couldn't go and visit the church in Philippi, but he wanted to communicate with them. And in his day and age, there was no social media, but there was letter writing. That was a form of communication. And so he kind of, that became part of his ministry. Anytime he was in prison, he was writing letters to churches. He was writing letters to people. He was communicating with them to maintain relationship. And in our current lockdown reality, we might not be able to see each other face-to-face. And if we are face-to-face, we might have a mask over our face. And there might be limitations But how could we be creative about establishing and maintaining Jesus-centered relationships with one another? There's social media, there's phones, there's digital, you know, conference calling technology. There's lots of different ways uh, that we can still maintain relationship and, and initiate relationships. So pay attention to Jesus leading, be creative, and then finally be intentional. Paul was intentional about maintaining relationships with the people. He was intentional about reaching out to the church in Philippi and writing them this letter. And he, he took the time and he did it. It wasn't just an idea in his head, but he put it into action. And I believe for us to grow in Jesus-centered relationships with one another, it's going to take more than just, you know, the, the desire to do it. It's going to actually take the will to, to do something about it to be intentional, to plan it, to to make it happen. These partnerships that Paul had unlocked a emotion of joy in his life in the midst of lockdown. How might those kinds of partnerships unlock joy in our lives? As we look at Paul, I think we can see that he wasn't, you know, he was... He was in lockdown. He was in a difficult, challenging situation, but his eyes weren't fixed there. And I believe that part of his perspective as he uh, pursued these relationships with the Philippians and other believers that he was in contact with, it focused his gaze on the person and the work of Jesus. He saw how Jesus was working in their lives and he was able to rejoice. He saw how Jesus was working through them to impact the world around them and he could rejoice. He saw how Jesus was working through them to minister to him and it brought him joy. And so his eyes were fixed on the person and the work of Jesus, not on the lonely, dark, gloomy cell that he might have been sitting in as he wrote that letter. I believe for us today, as we participate with one another, as we pursue these partnerships, these relationships together, that we will, like Paul, be able to focus on the person and the work of Jesus as we do life together with Jesus at the center. 